0: I am at my sister's in New York today. It is mid-October, and it's actually my last day here with her officially, last full day, because tomorrow I am driving down to another family member's home in Maryland. And earlier this morning, I rode a horse for the first time in a very long time, 20-plus years, I imagine. If you didn't know this about me, I grew up on a horse farm, and my mother and my sister are both professional horse riders and trainers and really passionate about that career path, and they deeply love horses. I was very blessed to grow up on that farm because not only did we have horses but we had all different types of animals cats and dogs chickens geese turkeys at one point i had a bunny i had fish i, I did have fish hamster like i could go on and on basically any animal i wanted within reason we never had cows or pigs but we pro- i probably could have convinced my mom to get that for the farm cuz we had the space And we all love animals. I started riding horses when I was really little because that was my mom's passion and career, as I mentioned. And it was something she really encouraged within me. I got a pony when I was, I don't know. 10 or something. I think it was like a Christmas present. sounds like every little girl's dream, but I actually didn't care that much about riding horses. I appreciated them. I've loved animals for as long as I can remember, but riding horses and taking care of them was not something I was into. But of course, the little girl, I don't even know if I was excited about it or just felt like obligated to do this. And that's a big part of this story. I remember my mom just encouraging me to take lessons. Mostly she taught me these lessons. So that was easy. But then she wanted me to enroll in like pony related activities. And actually, this is interesting because I see moments of my social anxiety from looking back on those experiences. I remember being in some sort of pony club. Maybe that's what it was called. And every girl there, it was all girls that I recall, they all seemed so enthusiastic about it. I felt like I was faking it. I remember this one time feeling like physically ill, like nauseous, but it seems like it was in my head. And looking back, I'm like, it probably was in my head because I didn't want to be there. And we were like studying for some exam. I don't even know what that was. It was just really unpleasant. Then somewhere between 10 and 12 years old, my mom sent me to a camp, like a horse camp. And that was also challenging. I have spotted memories about that experience. I don't really think I liked being away. From my family that felt uncomfortable. I didn't like being around all these new kids I didn't know. I remember my eating issues coming up at that point, feeling really uncomfortable around food and like out of control. And there were all these limitations around food. (laughs) I remember having to do chores and wake up early. Like that, I just think of that camp experience as being really unpleasant. So it's no wonder that over time, I just jumped out of the whole horse world. And it actually happened around the time my mom got me a second horse because I outgrew this pony that she bought for me. And she gave it to my sister, and the pony became like a kind of training horse for kids. But then she, one day, I was at a friend's house and I guess I called home to check in or something. And she was like, oh, by the way, I got you a horse. Talk about privilege, but also a weird sense of privilege of something you don't even want that your parent is just choosing for you. And I was so confused, especially because she bought me a horse that couldn't do the type of riding that I did. I grew up doing equestrian, which was like a lot of things on the trail and going over jumps. And it was like really adrenaline-fueled that I enjoyed. This other horse did did a type of riding that my mom and my sister specialize in called dressage. And that was never my thing. again, like knowing my personality type, the way my brain works, it makes complete sense because it was like slow and deliberate and there are all these rules and it's very rigid and like it's just a whole nother level versus what I was doing with equestrian, which felt like I could just do things in a particular way. I didn't really like to compete growing up. That always put a lot of pressure on me, stress, but I loved the experience of the type of riding I was doing with my first pony. And so when my mom gets me this horse that can't do those things and has been trained to do a completely different style, that was part of my journey to stop horse riding. And that also coincided with when I started getting interested in film, video, creative arts. I was interested in acting and performing in different ways and just horses I didn't want to put any more energy into it. It seemed like a waste of time and money. But it it was tough because I felt like I was disappointing my mom. Luckily, that wasn't as big of a deal because my sister became really into horses. And that has her whole life been a huge part of her life. And now she runs this incredible farm in New York State where I'm at right now recording this. She's probably going to walk in the door at some point. So I'm going to try to keep this episode short. I want to share about my experience today because in theory, it should have been really amazing. It is mid-October, as I mentioned, so the weather has that crispy air and the leaves are all different colors. She lives in this incredible area. This is nowhere near New York City. It's actually closer to Connecticut, if you know the state geography a, a little bit. and. It's just like stunning, absolutely stunning here. She lives on this incredible farm and just has the barn full of amazing horses to ride. And she asked me if I wanted to go on what's called a hack. And a hack is a term of just like casually riding a horse through nature, usually fields or woods, trails, that sort of thing. And I love that. So I said, sure. And didn't really think much of it. She offered to make sure I had the right helmet for safety. She offered me boots, although I ended up wearing my Vessi shoes, which I've been really into. They're insanely comfortable. My new favorite shoes, side note, not sponsored, but shouting them out anyways because they're awesome. She got me a nice jacket so I stayed warm because it was early in the morning. She took care of all those logistics, got the horse all ready for me. And when I got to... The horse, I suddenly had this moment of, oh, I have not ridden in so long. Even though it's like riding a bike, because I was trained so much as a kid, I'll never forget how to hold my arms, my hands, my feet, how to, my posture, like that all came back to me right away. But what was interesting is that I didn't feel mentally prepared for the experience of riding a new horse in a new environment. And I found myself getting really frustrated with my sister because I guess she made the assumption that I would be much more comfortable with this than I actually ended up being. And I didn't think to ask her any questions. So I get on this horse. She gets on a horse too. She's going with me. I'm not alone. And one of her friends is there as well. And the three of us start going. And the horse that I'm on is a little... She kept calling him fresh, I think, like, just see. I didn't feel like I had full control over this horse. We start going towards the trail and we had to go on this road. A car is passing by and the horse kind of starts freaking out and I start freaking out. And I found myself getting into this deep state of panic and anxiety and feeling out of control and frustrated and a little bit angry, resentful. Like, Why was I putting this, or why did I choose this for myself? And then why did my sister take better care of me? Like, she didn't feel like she was looking out for me. She was riding away with her friend, and I kept like shouting things at her. I found myself like unable to communicate effectively, and I was being rude to her, but I was doing that because I was in this like anxious panic state. So, my sister just keeps going, and I'm there's three of us. I'm the third horse in the back. I wanted to stay a little further back because I was afraid my horse would get too close to the others. Like All these fears as if I had never ridden a horse before I came up. And we start going through these phenomenal fields. Again, it's like the trees are on fire. They're red and they're orange and yellow, and it's just perfect weather. But I couldn't wait to get off this horse. I kept thinking over and over again, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back to the barn. I want to get off this horse. I'm scared. I feel out of control. I'm panicked. And then again, that feeling towards my sister of like, why did she do this? She's not looking after me and just like spiraling. And a lot came up, which is why I wanted to share this on the show because it was an interesting observation of myself. One thing I've recognized, especially through therapy as well as the well-being coaching training I'm in right now, is I have a super high level of awareness about myself, but that doesn't mean that I can fully control it. In fact, I'm going to pull up something we've been doing in the training called the emotional well-being wheel, and it takes you through... A little self-assessment around awareness, flexibility, clarity, connection, resilience, and balance. I tend to have really strong awareness, balance, and resilience. So awareness is like I'm really good at recognizing what I'm feeling. I can respond to my emotions with intention. Even though in this case I wasn't communicating with my sister well, like I was shouting at her, I there was tension in my voice. And I want to pause for a second to acknowledge that something I experienced today because her friend was there, who I know I haven't known super a long time, but I know well enough that I didn't feel like I was super masking around her, meaning like I felt somewhere somewhat comfortable to talk to my sister in a way that I would normally feel embarrassed about. I imagine this is a relatable thing, like a lot of us treat family and close friends. A little bit differently. We might feel more comfortable being rude or short, or snippy, but that's something I've found a tendency to hide around strangers. But then again, I don't know if I would have hidden this f- reaction with my sister because I was panicked. That's where it was coming from. I was very aware of that. And I also became aware of the shame I felt after talking to her that way in front of somebody else. And that was an interesting thing to examine. If I have time, I'll come back to that. But I felt a bit embarrassed. I'm like, this maybe makes me look immature. But I also found myself afraid that I looked, for lack of a better term, like my neurodivergence was showing. Like I don't know if those reactions are directly related to neurodivergence? Are they a coping me- mechanism? What is it exactly? But the, I just, through my research and reflection on, on neurodivergence, I just felt in that moment, I'm like, yep, this is a sign of it. Because I was with two other people, one of which I think is neurotypical. My sister, I think she might fall into, I think the term is a I'm not quite sure. That's coming from the book, Unmasking Autism, that I'm reading right now, and I still don't fully understand that definition. My sister has a lot of traits of neurodivergence, and it makes sense genetically, but also like how we were raised, that we would have similar brains and responses to things. But she has such a different approach to life in these certain circumstances, and so I started to experience... A familiar feeling of shame and loneliness because I was reacting in a way that I don't think my sister would have reacted. She probably would have masked it. She probably would have been very quiet or she might have been kinder, gentler. She might not have been as panicked as me um, in her expression and her communication. And I started feeling this sense of, I need to mask right now because my behavior is not socially acceptable. And I was processing that actually during the ride because of my awareness. I started thinking, wow, okay, I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to be reacting this way. And I found myself like wanting to get really quiet and control myself. I found myself wanting to pretend everything was okay. But then I also started feeling like resentful of even the. thought that I should pretend to be otherwise. And I started thinking to myself, why can't I express these frustrations and these emotions? Why is it socially unacceptable? This also comes from part of my well-being training. I saw this, I think it was a TED Talk, and I can pull it up real quick because I took notes on this. I'm almost positive what I'm referencing is from this woman named Susan David, And let's see here. Yeah, so it's a link to this on YouTube. It's called The Gift and Power of Emotional Courage from Susan David. And she's talking about showing up authentically to our emotions. How We often are taught rigid responses to our emotions. We become hooked on being right. We feel like certain emotions are deemed legitimate, and we will judge ourselves for having bad emotions, quote, «bad emotions». We find ourselves collectively, we, actively trying to push things aside. We might feel that our normal, natural emotions are good or bad or moral, wrong. And we experience this tyranny of positivity, which actually can be a very cruel, unkind, ineffective, and unsustainable response. She said, when emotions are pushed aside or ignored, they get stronger. When we push aside normal emotions to embrace false positivity, we lose our capacity to develop skills to deal with the world as it is, not as we wish we would be. And (laughs) I've read this out loud and also thinking this moment, I don't think I brought this up in a previous episode. I recorded something for another platform about this, but. I'm thinking of that in this moment because another quote of hers I loved, which is discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. I highly recommend that you check out that episode because it was, or that YouTube video, because it was just wonderful. A brief pause from this episode to shout out one of the episode sponsors, Zencaster, who I absolutely love. I'm so thrilled to have them sponsor this show because I talk about them all the time. They have played such a huge role in this podcast, in my growth. I feel like I've been growing alongside Zencaster, learning so much about podcasting. Every time I do an episode, I'm thinking, how can I improve this? What else can I tweak? And Zencaster thinks the same way as a company. They take feedback so well. They are constantly optimizing this platform. And to paint a picture, it is a website that you go to and you just press record to start recording audio, video if you would like. You can do it in 4K. And best of all, it's amazing for having guests. The ability I've had to reach people all around the world in terms of you, the listener, but also having these amazing conversations with other people that I've never even met face to face, but I do it so effortlessly through Zencaster as a platform. They even have features to edit your video and audio, to distribute it through all the major players, and to monetize it. I'm actually monetizing because of Zencaster, they've made that so much easier. And I hope that you are loving this episode and this entire podcast. If so, I appreciate you taking the time to listen and consider. If you are thinking about starting your own podcast or you already have one, Zencaster is one of the number one tools I recommend. So with no further ado... (laughs) We're going to get back to the episode. But if you are interested in checking out Zencaster, you can actually use my code WellEvatorZen, W E L L E V A T R Z E N, at zencaster.com slash pricing. You can receive a 30% off discount off of your first three months of Zencaster Professional that I use. I want you and all podcasters to have the same simple experiences that I have with all of my podcasting and content needs, and believe it or not, everyone has an amazing story to tell, including you, and I think it's finally time for you to tell your story, so I hope you check it out back to the amazing episode that I'm recording on Zencaster right now. Thinking about Susan David's words in the context of what I experienced today was reflecting on how it would have felt false for me to stay positive. It would have felt false for me to mask my emotions in this moment. Even though I was a bit embarrassed by my reaction, I still didn't want to hide my feelings because I was on an animal. If I really break it down, I was In on top of an animal, which in itself, like some ethical issues there. But I'm literally riding this horse I've never met, never interacted with. We have no connection. We have no trust built together. I don't know about this animal's behavior. I was trusting my sister to, uh, to partner me with an animal that would match me. But then I started to doubt, did she put that much thought into it? I don't think that she would have ever put me in an unsafe position, but it's also an example of how other people experience the world differently and their versions of safety can be vastly different than yours. My sister, as I mentioned, has been riding horses since she was a little kid. And even though I have lots of experience with horses. It's been a very long time, and I've evolved as a human being since then, especially through my process of unmasking and really getting to the core of who I am and uncovering my realness so that I'm no longer pretending and staying positive even when I don't really feel it. When I'm allowing myself the freedom of true expression, I can't Approach something like horse riding or bike riding, even, or whatever I used to do as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult. I'm just not the same human. My body doesn't even move the same, right? Like, I I also found myself feeling afraid of what would happen if I, if this horse started doing something and I fell off the horse. When I was growing up, I fell off horses fairly often. I actually one time got bit by a horse and there's a slight scar in my face. If you've ever noticed that it happened to happen, like it happened to occur on a part of my face that's a little bit hidden. And funny side note, when I look in the mirror, I never notice that scar. It's like my brain no longer processes that a scar is there. And I rarely ever remember, but there is a little scar on my cheek from a horse that basically its teeth grazed over. I don't think it was trying to bite my cheek off, but I was standing next to my pony, that one that I mentioned I got as a gift. And she was irritated at something I did. And she swung her head around and her teeth grazed my face. I had to get stitches. I also fell off horses. I remember one time like riding through this apple orchard near my parents in Massachusetts and went flying into an apple tree all by myself like I was just out and about as a kid and then there must have been so many occurrences so I oh that same pony uh one time I tried to she was wild in a lot of ways one time I tried to get on her And we had a level of trust and connection to a certain degree. So I could literally be standing on the ground and get on top of her back just by jumping a little bit and like pulling my body on top of her. And I did that so many times that I thought she was okay with it. But one time I tried that with her and she kicked me like on the side of my body and I just went flying. It was all caught on camera. (laughs) This is that transition period where I was like, maybe I like cameras and they feel safer than horses do. And that was a great example of that. So here I am today riding this pony. It was te- this horse, I was on was technically a pony, smaller horse. And all these memories start coming flooding in and I'm like... Eh- Any of these things could happen to me again. And how can my body today handle it? It's not as flexible and loose and young as it was back when I was riding horses. And I wonder if my brain could even handle an accident like that. Like, how much would that traumatize me? How much did those old old incidences traumatize me in ways that I didn't fully even process because I was so young? So this just new fear came upon me. And... I felt frustrated too because there I was trying to enjoy it. As I mentioned, it's just so beautiful around me. And it was truly like a cinematic moment. I even got out my phone. I'll put some pictures in the show notes um, because I took some great pictures from the back of this horse and was trying to be present with the horse and be gentle with the horse and like respectful and grateful and all of that. Just be in that in sync state of mind with it and trying to feel grateful for my sister for taking me and kind to her friend. But when you're experiencing all those tough emotions, it's tough to be anything other than in the moment of those emotions. Now, going back to that wheel of well-being, another thing that I find myself Feeling really good about is balance. I don't think that things are perfect, but things aren't out of whack in my life. I feel like I can take on changes in my life because generally I feel rested and emotionally available, although rest is a whole other subject matter. I also feel resilient. I can acknowledge that hard things happen and I'm able to problem solve and do what's the most effective thing to get through moments like I had today without blowing stuff up or avoiding. And I can forgive myself when needed. And so I was able to just process a lot of what was coming up for me through my awareness, my resilience, and my balance. But the three areas where I struggle are with connection, flexibility, and, surprising to me, clarity. So According to this wheel, flexibility is defined as on the lower end when you get stuck in ruts with the same thought going around and around or struggling to see someone else's perspective on a situation. I can relate more to that. So I score on the low end of flexibility versus the high end defined as being good at getting myself out of times where I feel like I'm spiraling. I might still have thoughts that aren't super helpful, but I'm able to let them come and go without dwelling on them. Reading that out loud, I feel actually somewhere more in the middle, maybe maybe not towards either side. Sure, I can notice things through my awareness, but getting myself out of it is tough, and I found that today on this horse where i don't even know how long we were riding maybe 30 to 45 minutes and it, it took me to to the very end of this horse experience to finally relax to feel my body relax my hands my arms and legs like not have as much tension for me to appreciate things and not be so focused on these tough emotions that i was processing and so that's where my flexibility struggles. When it comes to clarity, on the low end, you would if you rated yourself low, it would be because you feel like it's hard to make decisions. You may feel like something in life is lacking or you get frustrated with yourself and how you spend your time. I can relate to that a ton versus the Higher score end of clarity is when you know what's important in your life and you're able to tap into those things when it comes to making choices about how to spend time. You're someone with conviction and you move through life doing what you feel like matters most. Yes, I resonate with some of that, but it's really hard for me to make decisions. And I do get frustrated, as I mentioned, and my experience of time. So I rated myself currently on the lower end of clarity. Uh, and it's interesting to notice how that's different than awareness, right? Making the decision today, too, do I turn back? Do I get off this horse? I felt conflicted. And then how was I going to spend my time? I really wanted to spend my time on this horse enjoying it, but I had to like work through and process a lot of emotions in order to get to that place, And lastly, the connection side of it. So on the low end, the score is when you feel frustrated that you notice you don't know how to ask for what you want. You may feel like people don't understand you. You may not have enough people in your life who really get you. That's me. (laughs) That's so much of what I was experiencing today. Again, I was frustrated. How do I ask what I want from my sister, who I'm super close with? My sister and I have so much transparency honesty, authenticity. I still mask around her though, because my sister can also be very judgy. I can be judgy of her too. That's part of our dynamic. We're trying not to be. We actually had a big conversation around this a few days ago. And it's tough. It's hard to do these things, even when you have awareness and some of these other things that I've mentioned. On the higher end of connection is when your relationships are mostly satisfying and you know what you need or how to get what you need from them. You might have a glow number, I don't know what that means, of people in your life that support you and you have a pretty glow balance. What does that mean? I don't know what that usage of glow means. Keeping in touch, setting boundaries. I really struggle with that stuff and I didn't even know that I struggled with these things until recently. My journey through neurodivergence has really taught me so much. And it's interesting to look at these experiences, something simple that lasts for less than an hour and how much of an impact it can have on you. When I came back from riding the horse, I was very grateful that I didn't have a really busy day or, you know what, I don't love the word busy. (laughs) Whenever I use the word busy, it's a lazy usage of it because I find that people use busy in ways that don't align with me. So let me clarify I didn't have a day of meetings. I wanted to record this podcast. I didn't even know if I was going to get to this today. Honestly, I kept procrastinating this. I'm recording this later than I wanted to. When I first got back from writing, I actually wanted to sit down and record right then. And I intended on that because I thought, ooh, this is a fresh experience. I, I have all my emotions. But I actually needed to come down from that experience. I have a tendency to get overstimulated. I have a tendency to deeply feel things. And I need time to process them. And I need to slow down and do nothing. So I actually went and laid in bed with my weighted blanket on top. And I sat in the sunshine and warmed up. That felt really good. The sun was coming through the windows on the bed that I was on. And I scrolled through TikTok. (laughs) And I just looked at my day and saw, like, how can I design my day so that I feel like I can recover from this tough experience? How can I allow myself the space to process this, to take it in, to learn from it? And I'm still going through that. Talking about things out loud really helps me. I've mentioned before that it makes sense that I have a podcast because I need space. Like These 30 minutes I've been recording this far, it takes me speaking on something for this length of time to really understand it, to get to the core of it, to feel satisfied with it. It takes me that time of laying down and not talking at all too. It takes me the time of having conversations. And yet, I've actually found myself avoiding that experience with my sister. I've been afraid of her making fun of me for my reaction, and she hasn't done it yet. (laughs) But she actually ended up having a hard day herself, and I found myself moving into a role of, of caretaker with her, which is another thing I'm still trying to understand about myself. I deeply love taking care of my sister. Visiting her puts me in like a mom mode where I'm cleaning up after her. I'm cooking. I'm doing like things I can do to support her like emotionally or going down the list of all those love languages, like words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service. I love giving her gifts. And what's the fifth one? I forget. <laughs> you know what's funny about the five love languages is that A lot of people don't even, they have an issue with the guy that wrote that book, but it's good timing because my sister just got back. I feel like I can wrap up this conversation for now and just say thank you for listening. I will put the links to the video I mentioned with Susan David. If you want to check out the Vessi shoes, I might use my referral, even though I'm not sponsored. The Vessi shoes are really awesome. <laughs> I also put the picture that I took in the show notes if you'd like to check it all out. That's all at welllevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R dot com with the full show notes. And if you are interested in more of the things that I'm learning from the emotional well-being training, I'd be absolutely happy to share more in future episodes. And I will keep you posted as I move into coaching, which I'm the whole program I'm doing is designed to certify me as a well-being coach so I can put all of the stuff into practice that I learned about myself and others so I can support people like you. I'll be back again on Friday with another guest episode. Let's see who I have for you then. I never know this off the top of my head, but I have, oh yes. Oh, I love, 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 love this episode. It's with, I, I sometimes actually don't want to say who it is in case I change the timing, but if it is who I think it is for this coming Friday, it's, it's, lit me up this conversation. So that's all I'll say for now. Stay tuned. You can subscribe if you'd like, or just come back and check out the show to see what episodes are out since you listened to this one. (laughs) All right. Bye for now. Best of luck to you. And thanks again for being here.